How are you guys this morning? Good? You guys doing good? Awake? Kind of? Sort of? It's good to see all of your faces here today. Um, We are continuing on in our study in the Psalms together. For those of you who haven't been here before, I'm Pastor Jeremy. We are going through the Bible in five years period of time together. We are about two-thirds of the way done. Woohoo! That's pretty amazing, right? So... We're about two-thirds of the way done, and we're in Psalms right now. We're going through these Psalms kind of in categories. We're not going one through 150. So if you'd like to read along with us, the way we're doing things is we read together as a congregation six days a week, and then our sermon, whoever's preaching, whether it's myself, whether it's Mark, whether it's John, whoever comes up here is preaching on what we've read. And so if you want to follow along with us, we have bookmarks that are over at the information desk, and you can follow along with us there. Um, We're getting close to the end of Psalms. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? You guys have been reading and reading and reading and more and more Psalms like they just keep going. Uh, It's pretty cool. So today we're going to do something a little bit different Um, because this category of Psalms that that we have done kind of lends itself for us to talk about this. Okay, Uh, the category we did this last week was the acrostic psalms, and these are psalms that are done in in order. They were either in sections or verses where you're doing uh, beginning of that verse with each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. There are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, Uh, so it's a really really cool thing. Uh, But we're going to get into that portion of it a little bit later. You'll understand why in just a moment. I want to discuss something in particular as it pertains to the Word of God itself. Because I think this section of Scripture gives us a a great opportunity to talk about that. We live in a society today where people like to challenge the Word of God. And in challenging the Word of God, the way that they do it is they try to undermine our faith and the confidence of the Word of God using what would seemingly be innocent questions. But those innocent questions are not there to help us to understand or even try to explain something to them. They're meant to confuse. And I want to touch on one of those today as it pertains to the Word of God and why that pertains to what we're talking about today. You'll see the connection as we continue to go on. But have any of you ever heard or ever been confronted with, do you take the Bible literally? How many of you have ever heard that as a challenge statement before or been challenged by it yourself? Okay? Have you ever heard that? First of all, how do we respond? Yes, I do. And then, of course, why do they ask that question? It's usually so that they can come across and ask a question concerning the Word of God, taken out of context, not to bolster your confidence in the Word of God, but actually to undermine it. Okay? And so I think it's important that when we approach this question, do we take the Word of God literally? There are some things that we have to understand what's being asked and how we should respond. Because I respond oftentimes this way. I read the Word of God literally, yes, but I also read it literally. Because whether you realize it or not, there's a lot of different genres within the Word of God. So let me explain the major genres. There's seven major genres in the Word of God. There's the law, 
Okay, so we have the law. This is when you're looking at the people of Israel and they're looking at the rules that God has laid out for the people of Israel to live by as a society. This is the law. We have the history. And this is basically like reading the history of the interaction of God and his people as it worked out in history. And there are sections of history in almost every part of the Bible. But specifically, the largest parts, you'll see it in Genesis, you see it from... um, you see it in Exodus, you see it from Joshua all the way to Second um, Chronicles, which we did, as well as Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, um, and then in the New Testament as well. Then we have the wisdom literature, part of which we're going through right now, but this is wisdom literature that would include Job and include Proverbs, include Ecclesiastes, things that we're going to be studying a little bit later, and poetry, which is very much in the very section we're at now in Psalms. Okay? And we have the Gospels, which isn't just history, but talks about the fulfillment of the promises of God in the person of Jesus Christ. The good news. Then we have the Epistles, which are letters that are written to different churches covering a lot of different subjects. They're very instructive in nature. And they differ from letter to letter concerning on the, the subjects that are being addressed. And then finally, there's prophecy prophecy that not only harkens back to the promises of God in the law and the promises of God that he's given the people of Israel and the promises that are fulfilled in Jesus and the promises that are yet to come that will be fulfilled in Jesus and the coming of Christ. In the midst of all of those things, we have subcategories. Like within prophecy, we have apocalyptic literature. Because some prophecies are simply pronouncements of breaking the law, that that God's going to enforce his covenant. And then other things seem very, very hard to understand, as, as if you're reading the last half of Daniel, or you're reading the book of Revelation. And it's very image-oriented in that regard. You see, all of these different genres within the Word of God are to be taken in one sense literally and in another sense literally. See, I don't read a law book the same way that I read a history book. Would you guys agree with that? Those of you who practice law, because we have a few who do here, you don't read them the same. They don't have the same purpose. They intersect with one another, though, don't they? Law and history absolutely intersect. You break the law, your history will change right? It's just the truth, right? And that's what we see. We see that these these different genres here are intersected in many different ways within the Word of God. To treat them all the same would be wrong. And yet, somebody who asks you that question, do you take the Bible literally, purposefully, confuses these different genres within the canon of Scripture to throw you off. It's why we need to know not just the Word of God itself, but how to read the Word of God. And it's interesting to me, if we will turn real quick to 2 Timothy chapter 2. It's a real interesting statement, because a lot of us know what 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15 says. Because it says this, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly handles the word of truth. But verse 14 is a warning. And verse 14 says this, 
Keep reminding them of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. What was happening to the people of Israel or the people of God during that time that Timothy's being instructed, he's saying they're quarreling about words. They're they're not rightly dividing the word of truth. Therefore, that's why you need to know how to rightly divide the word of truth so that those who wish to quarrel with you about words do not confuse you concerning the things that you're saying and the things that you believe. We're in the exact same place today. You know, so us trying to treat the Bible as the literal word of God, which it is, without reading it literally, understanding the different genres and how we're to interpret them in the light of the word of God as hermeneutical principles. Hermeneutics is a big word that just means rightly dividing the word of truth. It's rightly understanding how to share the word of God and how to read it and understand what it says, okay? It's important for you and I to do that. For example, this past week we did Q&A time, and I had one student ask me, what about tattoos? I can't tell you how many times I get asked about tattoos. You know, over, over 20 years period of time, tattoos are a big one. And yet it's an important distinction that youth need to understand the difference of. And why are they asking that question? Because they're probably being challenged by somebody. They're being challenged by somebody saying, hey, Christians aren't supposed to get tattoos. You know why? Because I read in Leviticus, if you want to know where it's at in Leviticus, it's in Leviticus chapter 19. And we can turn there real quick. Um, And it says this, Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 28. Do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. And from that, many people today who take this verse out of context will then say, well, then Christians ought not get tattoos. And therefore, if you're a Christian, you're breaking the law, right? Never mind that the the verse before it says, do not cut the hair at the sides of your head or clip off the edges of your beard. Nobody ever really confronts us on that, right? (laughs) That's the verse before. The verse 28 is all about worshiping other gods, The cutting of oneself for the dead and the tattoo marks that were given during the time were given at the time so that you would brand yourself to that God. It would be an image of the God that you serve on your body, which obviously breaks the Ten Commandments, right? You should not have any images. To make it more confusing still, I mean, at least from a human perspective, if we go further up in in chapter 19... One of the things that you may not realize is the second greatest commandment is included in Leviticus 19. Leviticus 19.18 says this, Do not seek revenge or bear grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Jesus quoted that and said it was the second greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right? That's supposed to be the second greatest commandment and it's found in Leviticus. Obviously, that hasn't gone away. So why is it we don't practice the one and we do practice the other? See, it takes right interpretation concerning that. And of course, we're talking about Old Testament law here where Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. 
And the epistle of Romans especially addresses this. So if we want to understand the interaction for the Christian concerning the law and the believer in Christ, we need to read the book of Romans and understand it well. Not for confusion's sake, but actually for the opposite, for clarity. Because questions like this that are brought to you and me today are only meant to confuse, to undermine our faith in the word of God. And yet at the same time, we see value right, in the differences, in the differing types of genres that are in the Word of God. They complement one another. They're, they're there to help us have clarity and not confusion. I'm sure we have a lot of different people who have different types of musical styles that they like in this congregation. Some of you might even like country. I don't know. But um, whether it's country, one of the things that my, my son absolutely uh, hates, we get in this argument all the time. I do it more to, to frustrate him than anything else. It is a spiritual gift of mine of frustration. Those of you who have been around me know this to be true. I call any, any music that has yelling in it, I call screamo music. I don't differentiate. It's just screamo music. Now, for the younger generation, especially my son who loves music, this is an abomination to him. Okay, he absolutely hates it because I'll call it all screamo music. He's like, no, there's a difference. There's a difference between death metal and heavy metal. And there's a difference between that and metalcore. And there's a different, I can name this, I have no idea, right? I have absolutely no, all I hear is da, 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 da. That's it. That's all it is. Ah. Okay? That's my, that's my Mongolian throat screaming, Micah. Okay, you should like that. As a, as a fry? came from down here though you know deep deep in my soul anyway so so I talked to my son about these differences right of of musical taste and he knows those distinctions because those distinctions do mean something like blues blues means something we don't sing happy songs and blues because part of the musical genre of blues is that it's bad we're 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 talking about bad times that's part of the genre we don't sing we don't sing happy songs and blues. I sing the happy blues. It doesn't work, right? <laughs> VeggieTales did that. It was great, right? So it, there's a conflict between those because those genres have a meaning to them beyond just the fact that they're musically inclined. Those of you who like country music, some of you who like country music hate new country music because new country music is just soft rock with a country twang. Uh, I already heard an a, there's almost an amen right there, okay? We recognize the differences of things, and we recognize the value of it, because country music sings about certain things in a certain way. Rap sings about things or raps about things in a certain way. Rhythm and blues, the same thing. The reason why I bring this up is, is those differences are not contradictory in the music of themselves, but rather, understanding those differences helps us make sense of the music more, doesn't it? It really does. In the same way, if you'll think about it, the whole reason we have done the Psalms the way that we have done them is to recognize that all of these songs could be categorized differently and we would have a greater appreciation. That's why we've done the series the way that we've done it. So let's go real quick. We're going to take a look at the... Uh, we're going to take a look at all the different 
categories of psalms that we've done so far. You guys think about this and how that may have helped your understanding of the Word of God as we've gone through. So we started with psalms that exalted the Word of God itself, spent a whole week on it, because there are psalms that are just focused on the Word of God. We move from there to historic psalms or covenant psalms that, that would recount the history of Israel and the covenant relationship between God and Israel. Remember, this is all done in song. We, we sometimes look at the scripture right here. This is music. These are things they're singing about the same way that we sing about the songs that we like today, right? There were the pilgrimage psalms, the ones that they would sing as they were going to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover and and the sacrifice that would eventually be given to us through Christ. And then there are the messianic psalms that were looking forward to the promises of God that were going to be fulfilled in Jesus. Then we had the kingship psalms, those that were focused as God as king of Israel, that the true king was God, and we're going to celebrate him in song together. And then we had those that were done by David, talking about his life. And we got to see why he was considered a man after God's own heart. Because during certain sections of his life that are written in the superscript of the psalm, it was like, this is what's happening in David's life, and look what he wrote when this was going on in his life. And then we spent four weeks of just psalms of David because he was always thinking about God. This is kind of like David's greatest hits, volume one, two, three, and four. That's what we did right? Then we had the laments. Why God? Why, why are you forsaking us? Why is this happening? Whether they were individual or community, they were important. How many of you ever sung songs that, that are not necessarily uplifting songs, but they're, they're songs that kind of reflect how you feel at that moment? How many of you ever get into songs like that just because I feel like this today? This kind of gets me right where I'm at. That's what a lament is. Then we move to the penitential, to those seeking forgiveness of God. And then to the imprecatory, seeking God's justice. And thanksgiving the royal enthronement songs of praising God for the earthly king that's been set before them who is supposed to be a servant of God. The temple liturgies. You know, if we go into um, other denominations, it's very liturgical in nature. Well, it, it has a history all the way back here in the Psalms, where they would do the same thing. We're going to sing this. We're going to chant this together in unison. How many of you had those responsive readings at church and remember those responsive readings? I remember those. You know, we're going to read. We're going to go to the back of the hymnal. We're going to read this, and it's a responsive reading. I'm going to ask this question or say this statement, and this is your response. And then we have the hymns and doxologies that were done last week, and John did such a great job. And you know what we heard more than anything else? Oh, I loved all the hymns. How many of you love the hymns? Raise your hand. It was awesome, right? We love hymns, right? Which leads us to where we are today. And then we only have two other, other sections, which are wisdom psalms and songs of praise. But the acrostic's interesting because it comes in a literary style that the only thing that they have in common is the poetic format. If you guys read the Psalms this week, they varied greatly on their subjects. The only thing they had in common was it began with 
the equivalent of A in our alphabet and ended with Z, right? I'm going to go A to Z. How many of you know a song in American culture outside of the ABC song? Or any other ABC song or any variant of the ABC song where you're singing the alphabet in a meaningful way where you, whatever subject is, is covered through there alphabetically. Can you guys think of a single song like that? I can't in our American culture. I really can't. Which makes me amazed at the acrostics that we're looking at today. That's why I called it the alphabet soup of psalms. Okay, because that's what it is. We're going through the alphabet in Hebrew, and in some way, some of these sections of these of the scripture coincides, and it's really poetic. It takes a lot of creativity to create a song that has any type of meaning whatsoever and include all of the alphabet, and yet there are a number of them. Some of them we've already done. Believe it or not, the longest psalm in the Bible, Psalm 119, 176 verses is an acrostic. Now, it's about the Word of God, but it is an acrostic. And that's why the little subheadings, there are 22 sections of subheadings, one for each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Each of those eight verses, uh, each each of those sections of eight verses begins with that letter. So you have eight verses of the equivalent of A, the eight verses of the equivalent of B, all the way through the end of the Hebrew alphabet. And it all praises the Word of God. That to me is just an amazing thing when you think about it. Right? So why do I mention all that? Because understanding the genre of what we're doing, of what we're reading within the Scripture, gives us clarity to what we're reading. Not confusion. Don't let somebody pigeonhole you on a question about the literalness of the Bible just so that they can take a verse out of context. Do you know the distinction of those seven areas that I just talked about? Of law, history, wisdom, poetry, gospel, epistles, and prophecy? If not, then you need to become familiar with it so you can answer intelligently. You need to see yourself as a workman approved of God. So, let's go into this acrostic today. And today's psalm is chosen very specifically. It's Psalm 111. It's a short psalm. As a matter of fact, most of the acrostics you could count in in numbers of 22. Um, Like the Almost the entire book of Lamentations is an acrostic. You guys realize that. Chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5. You go in there and you're just counting. It's 22, 22, 66, 22, and 22. That's how many verses are there. Usually, if you can divide it by 22, it's a pretty good chance. And it's poetic in nature. It's a pretty good chance that it's an acrostic psalm. The interesting thing about Psalm 111 is that there's only 10 verses. So how is this an acrostic psalm? You just told us 22. Well, what you will notice is that the lines on here, there are 22 lines to this. And each line, there are multiple lines in the the verses here. Each line begins with the successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So you have two lines in each of the first eight verses, which equates to 16, and then three lines in the last two verses, which equates to 6. And 16 plus 6 is what? Really? Come on. 16 plus 6? I know it's early, but we can math, right? All right, so it's 22. 
And so this is an acrostic. It goes through the alphabet, the Hebrew alphabet, and it talks about something specific. So let's see it. Let's look at this together and see how it applies to us today. Praise the Lord. I will extol the Lord with all of my heart in the counsel of the upright and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are his deeds, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works, giving them the lands of other nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are steadfast forever and ever. Done in faithfulness and uprightness. He provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. You know what I love about this psalm is it's all about praising God. It begins and ends with praise of God. And in the middle are the reasons why. We praise the Lord. We praise the Lord in the assembly. He's to be praised forever and ever. He is worthy. And the middle tells you why. Greater are his works. Everybody has seen his great works. He's caused his wonders to be remembered. The great things that he has done for us for testifying. When we testify here on Sunday mornings, guess what we're doing? We're testifying to the greatness of God for everybody to hear. He remembers his covenant forever. He provides food for those who fear him. So we see him as provider. He's shown his people the power of his works, giving them the lands of other nations, talking about how God has miraculously placed the people of Israel in the land that they are, and they can trust his promises. All of this continues to go back, again, in poetic form. This is a song with alphabetical order. It's got some meaning. It's, got some, it, it's not just thrown together. It's not like anybody can just do this, Right? They're steadfast. His works of his hands are faithful and just. All of his precepts are trustworthy, hearkening back to the word of God as an anchor for our souls. He provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever, holy and awesome in his name. And that redemption is to us as well because the fulfillment of that covenant promise is Jesus in whom, guess what, we have redemption. The psalm is for us too. And that we praise God forever and ever. What an amazing thing to see in just 10 short verses and 22 short lines, right? One thing that my kids will tell you is that I love a really, really good song, right? I mean, I like good music. A lot of us define good music in a certain way. But for me, when I think of good music, it has to be good musically. In other words, it, it, it... it adheres to whatever division of song that it is. None of us like hearing a country song masquerading as soft rock, right? Seriously, if, it, if we go into these genres and they call it something else, we get offended by it. it it's got to be musically well put together. We don't like nonsense in our songs either, right? If we took away all meter and rhythm and whatnot, and people have tried to do this and create quote-unquote postmodern music, It sounds like somebody threw up on the instruments, okay? That's all it sounds like. It's terrible, okay? And why is it terrible? Because it doesn't follow any meter, rhyme, or reason. Because guess what? God created music, right? 
And so there, there is a rhyme and a reason for the music what we have. So I want good music, right? I want good lyrics. Something that's well put together and thought out. And I want good theology. When you combine these three things together, that's what makes a good song for me. I have a whole kind of, right now, I'm in, in this 90s kick, uh, 90s music list of, our kids grew up with this music, they're, they're enjoying this music list I put together. But one of the things that the songs have in common is, it's good music, they've got good lyrics, but they're theologically sound. And we appreciate that. We don't like the rote and rhythm of just something that's shallow. We want something that's deep, that goes deep into the Word of God and reminds us of who we are, what He is, and what He's done for us, right, in every area of life. And when we find that, sometimes I can get more out of a three- or four-minute song than I can a 30-minute sermon. How many of you feel the same way? Sincerely, it's like I'm reminded of this because it's just so full of the truth of God. And I come back to it again and again because it helps me remember things. As I've mentioned in our, in our videos that we've been doing on YouTube, a lot of these psalms that we do are also found in modern day songs. And if it's put together well, it helps us remember the Word of God even more. And man, sometimes I can remember more of the Word of God because it's been put to music well than I can if somebody just preached a really good sermon on it. And I'd rather listen to that to remind me of it again and again and again. And see, that's the beauty of all of these differences. The diversity that we see within the Word of God, the diversity within the body of Christ, not to cause confusion, but actually to cause clarity. That they work together because we have different, bo- different members in the body of Christ. And as we've been studying here, like I said, the acrostic's the best place. Because acrostic, the only thing it has in common is the alphabetical order of how they put everything together. The messages are different depending upon what the, what the songwriter had been inspired by the Holy Spirit to put down. And yet, we see that same type of diversity in all the areas, in all seven of these areas. There are some people who are fascinated by law, and that's great. And for them, the law aspect is right there. They're right there for it. Some people are engineers in this place. You know what they might like from the Word of God that they really, really appreciate are all the instructions for the building of the tabernacles, are all the instructions of how the temple of God is going to look in heaven. All of these things are like, wow, that's just mind-blowing. Let's recreate that. I have no desire to do that on a personal basis, but some people do because their imagination has just run wild with that. For other people, they understand exactly what we're studying right now. They go through the Psalms and they get so much out of it saying, look how creative God is. Some people like practical wisdom and like sharing little tidbits of information. My daughter told me yesterday, she got home from work, she said, somebody gave me this piece of advice. I don't know if it was biblical, but they did say that, and I appreciated them sharing that. And some people want to be that type of person to share. Let me share this little bit of information. Let me plant that little seed for you. A little modern-day proverb, if you will, for you and your life. What we see in the Word of God is that law, history, wisdom, poetry, the gospel, the epistles, the prophecy, all combined together to give us a complete picture of who Jesus was prophesied to be, 
who he truly is and what he's going to do. All of that's needed. You know, what I, what I love is the diversity we have in our body as well. We have Aaron who's working in the back back there, who wants to build a garden back there and teach people about gardening, self-sufficiency and, and the things for the glory of God. Sincerely, that's, that's, the, that's the heart behind it. I have a black thumb. Okay? And Aaron's gift is needed within the body. We need people who are willing to use their gifts. God wants us to use the gifts that he's given each of us. And God loves the arts. The largest book in the Bible, what we're reading right now, is all about the arts. That's Susan Birdsong here who has a number of her paintings that are around this church, all created for one purpose, to glorify God. Got Doris France, who's handing us some of her pictures as well, saying, use those so that people be reminded about Jesus and what he's done. We've got musicians in this place who come together to construct, and I pray that they'll write their own music to the glory of God, because God is truly glorified from it. Others who are called to go into different areas and so whatever it is that God's called you to do the reason I did this in acrostic is because like I said the only thing the acrostic has together is the A through Z that's it everything else about it is different except that it glorifies God it reminds us of that and we should be reminded as a people of God that the different areas that are in the word of God that we are to take literally we should also take literally and know how to rightly divide the word of truth, recognizing they are not in contradiction, but they are complementary to one another to give us a fuller understanding of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And my encouragement to every one of you is to use that diverse gift that God has given you to build up the body of Christ as we're talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Many members, one body, all different for a reason sincerely so that we might exalt the name of Jesus and you know what maybe the friend that you're not reaching for Jesus somebody else here could because we're not in competition with one another we're complementary to one another in the use of our talents gifts and abilities for his namesake so next time somebody challenges you don't take the bait number one number two Know how the Word of God is put together so that you'll be able to share with them more fully on why I can take it literally and literally and still come out with Jesus as Lord. That's what all this is about. That's why I love this. That's why I love Psalm 111. Why? Because it reminds us, praise God. He's worthy, forever worthy because of what he's done for you and me. And the beauty is, we have so many ways to show it. Let's not be ashamed in using our gifts in such a way that we do. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you for today. I want to thank you for us being together as this diverse body, liking so many different things, and yet you have put us together as one body in Christ to exercise these gifts, talents, and abilities. And thank you, Lord, that you show us in your word that while there's so many different things in your word, 
They are all complementary and unified to one another. Let not the world that wishes to trip us up with words deceive us into thinking that somehow you contradict yourself concerning the promises found in Jesus, because they're not. Help us to study and know these different ways so that we can understand that the Bible is both literal and literate, Lord. And I pray to your Heavenly Father that that will help us in our witness to Jesus Christ. Thank you for our gathering together today. Thank you that we're going to have fellowship afterwards today and that we get to enjoy one another's company, enjoy one another's talents, gifts, and abilities, and those of, of the ladies and others who have, who have put this together today. We thank you for that, Lord. We pray even now that you would bless the food that we're going to partake of together and our fellowship, dear Lord, that we may glorify you as one body, diverse members, in unity in Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen.